This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The negative news for the prime minister anyway yesterday, uh, this whole ethics report, uh, it was a damning indictment of the way the PMO was operating. But some people are saying not much to see here. Even the prime minister, he's not apologetic, said he was just defending Canadian jobs. Let's get Elizabeth May in here, leader of the Greens, to tell us her perspective. Ms. May, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Thank you for asking me to have a talk about this uh, bombshell. Okay. Uh, Bombshell is a word that's been bandied about. I heard Charlie Angus use it yesterday. In your words, then how significant is yesterday's ruling? It's very significant, but it isn't the end of the story. And this is where, as a leader of an opposition party, and I've been in, as you may recall, I've been, I really dug in on details. I, I put questions and went through all the evidence, but before our former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould and her testimony. I questioned her. I questioned Jerry Butts, the former Principal Secretary, as well as the former Clerk of Privy Council, Michael Warnick. And I've been doing my own research. I'm very concerned that a large corporation like SNC-Lavalin could get its tentacles so deep, not just into the political side of the operations in the PMO, but into the civil service. So Andrew Coyne used in his column today the word stench. There is a stench and there is a rot, but it's far deeper. And I think it would apply equally, and this is the hard part, to a conservative prime minister as to a liberal prime minister. This is a very large corporation that has managed to work the system and work its way into the system in a way that I think requires a larger inquiry. All right. uh, Let's just pick up on that thread then, because you're saying, you know, anybody who would do this, uh, it's a form of corruption where a corporation is embedded in the PMO. But the workings of the PMO, it seemed to me, based on the evidence from the uh, ethics commissioner, was operating like a star chamber uh, above the rule of law. That's correct. But so was the Privy Council Office which also requires investigation, which is our senior civil service. Uh, and that's where, I mean, I, I had also asked the ethics commissioner to uh, conduct an inquiry. The inquiry I had asked for as a member of parliament was broader and wider and dealt with more of the actors who were described in detail in terms of their interaction with our former attorney general. By the way, I hope this puts to rest for anyone who was out there saying Jody Wilson-Raybould wasn't right to stand her ground. We are very fortunate that she was our Minister of Justice through this period. She's our, she was our Attorney General at a period of time where uh, someone weaker willed or more interested in career advancement than integrity might indeed have given a deferred prosecution agreement in this situation. I mean, they work the system like gangbusters. They hired a former Supreme Court judge, Frank Iacobucci, to be the mouthpiece of SNC-Lavalin. My own sense, John, is that the people in PMO with no legal experience and no decent advice were overawed by a former Supreme Court judge and felt that somehow, this is why I think Justin Trudeau remains looking and sounding clueless as to what he did wrong, because I actually don't think he understands it to this day. I do not think he understands that it is wrong in law to pressure uh, the attorney general to interfere with the independence of the prosecutor. So the, the prosecutorial independence is a fundamental principle of rule of law in any democracy. And I actually don't think he still understands standing up and saying, I was concerned about jobs. Well, number one, there, there, there remains to be seen that there was any threat to jobs. My questions in committee, no one had any good evidence that there was a threat to jobs. But beyond that, I don't think he understands that if there was a threat to jobs, that is not an excuse. 
for pressuring the attorney general. This is very serious indeed. And, you know, I'm, 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 as you can tell, I'm upset about it. I think we need to get to the bottom of it. And uh, targeting Justin Trudeau alone, although he, he certainly must do more than, than say, I accept the report, but I don't agree with it. No. Well, he also says he's taking responsibility. Uh, Let me just uh, dial it back a little bit. Elizabeth May with us, leader of the Green Party. You mentioned principals that were involved here. Clerk of the Privy Council, Mr. Wernick, and uh, in the PMO, you had like Katie Telford, uh, Jerry Butts, they're still surrounding the Prime Minister. I mean, uh, how culpable are they in all of this? He says, no, it's all on me. It's, you know, I guess he's trying to uh, either absorb the blow or uh, deflect or whatever, but uh, why are they still in good standing? Well, that's a that's a very good question. I think that the also the question of why is it that at the highest this is for me as a former lawyer really shocking that the highest order of government in this country can fail to know to understand that what they did was wrong, fail to understand the law. I mean, I used to work in government in the eighties. There wouldn't have been a chance in the world that a clerk of privy council wouldn't have made sure to say to the prime minister, "Oh, oh, oh sir, watch out, watch out." You don't want to pressure the attorney general. That violates the Shawcross principle. Let me make sure you understand that. I mean, if anyone's ever seen an episode of the BBC series, Yes, Minister, you kind of know how this is supposed to work. Our system is broken. It's a, for me, as a as leader. Well, it's not necessarily broken. It's very much intact, but it has to be adhered to. And that, to me, is the real issue central to this. You you were uh, just saying, how could they not know that they were breaking? That's the point. Uh, they disregarded yeah. it. They disregarded it because it speaks to arrogance or hubris. Don't you believe? I'm going to go back to the system problem, John. The civil service is culpable here, too, which is a big problem. So whoever is going to occupy the prime minister's office, we need to know, number one, that they understand the rule of law, that they operate ethically. Now, at this point, we know that neither of those is true about the current prime minister, didn't understand the rule of law, didn't operate ethically. But the system that's supposed to function is that if you have a prime minister who has no legal background and has never been a prosecutor and and thinks that a former Supreme Court judge representing SNC-Lavalin can give you good legal advice, uh, is is in a system that distorts what the system should do. I mean, it's it's. I think the system is broken. And yes, Justin Trudeau needs to understand that what he did was wrong. He needs not only to apologize, he needs to apologize directly to Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, because those two quite strong and women of great integrity have been treated so badly through this whole thing, including with, you know, the, I, I, in defending them on, you know, on social media, I got a bit of a taste of what they were subjected to in terms of attacks and smears against me because I was prepared to defend Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott. But this goes deeper. We need an inquiry. I really think we haven't got all our answers here, and we, we deserve uh, the answers. SNC-Lavalin must face full, open court criminal prosecution. But beyond that, we need to root out the rot in the Well, all right. When you say y- you need an inquiry, would you support a criminal investigation by the RCMP? Absolutely. But it needs to be more than did the prime minister obstruct justice. It needs to be, was there obstruction of justice that engaged all the actors who pressured Jody Wilson-Raybould, which extends far beyond PMO? 
Again, Elizabeth May, leader of the Green Party with us. So let me ask you now, based on this, I mean, is this a point that may be watershed for you and your uh, fortunes going forward? Are you positioning yourself as an alternative to the Liberals now? Well, absolutely. We have been, you know, it would have seemed, speaking of the word hubris, John, I do believe pride goeth before a fall. So I'm not going to say that in every election that I've been leading the Green Party, I've thought it was plausible that at the end of the election I'd be the prime minister. But I have to say, if there's ever been an election where Canadians need a prime minister they can trust, this one's it. And I'm certainly prepared to do everything I can, whether as leader of a larger caucus, in Parliament or as Prime Minister, whatever, however the electoral cards are dealt, I am committed to giving Canadians honest, ethical government because we deserve that. All right, but then let me ask you finally, because there was something that made the radar recently where you talked about transitioning people out of the fossil fuel industry and into green jobs, and many critics said uh, there were no specifics attached to that. How, How would you do that in a timely fashion? Is that possible to do? Well, I have to say, I didn't see many critics, and we did have tons of detail. So we endorsed a very detailed proposal that was uh, from the task force, looking at one sector first, the task force on coal sector workers that was co-chaired by the president of the Canadian Labour Congress and by a prominent uh, New Brunswick conservationist and others. And they did what needs to be done. They And it needs to be done in every sector. Go into the communities that are going to be impacted. Listen to the workers. These are fundamental principles. Listen to workers. Now, most of these workers are highly skilled, and their skills are immediately transferable to other areas of green renewable energy. One of the best examples is people who were digging deep oil wells. Uh, there are now over 100,000 abandoned deep oil wells in Alberta. Turns out about 10% of them could produce green electricity from geothermal. And the biggest cost, and I think some of the listeners will know about geothermal, where you dig down in the ground and you get a bit of warmth. If you dig really deep, you can hit enough warmth to run turbines to run an electricity generating station. Well, that kind of geothermal is the biggest cost is the drilling. Well, here you've got people who used to run and manage and drill mm. these deep oil wells. Their skills are immediately transferable to assess how many of them, maybe 10%, not all of them, will have enough heat at depth to run turbines for green electricity. Or you take the guys who are laying pipeline. They have this, the welders and the skilled workers are also needed to put up wind turbines. These are transferable skills. Yeah, and this would satisfy the base load, would it? Oh, yeah. We're, are the, and this is another big infrastructure part of our plan, Mission Possible. It's online, and there'll be more details on the platform. But Mission Possible starts with we do need infrastructure in this country. We need energy infrastructure, but it's not pipelines. It's uh, an upgraded Canadian grid that can, can, that can bring electricity, renewable green electricity, 100% green electricity, mm. from Manitoba into Western Ontario. We don't have the interties there to properly bring electricity from one province into the other. It, it, you know, interprovincial trade barriers are a problem. That is, but we, yeah. we, need, we need a national grid that delivers electricity where and when it's wanted. And it functions pretty much like a battery. If the sun is shining in one part of the country, and Alberta has the best solar potential of any province, mm. and there's, you know, they feed into the grid what they can't use, and later they can pull out of the grid. Uh, BC Hydro, if the wind isn't blowing in Alberta and the sun isn't shining enough, so <laughs> we end up we end up doing exactly what Norway and Denmark now do. Ooh. So two separate nations 
separated by water. All right, well, but a little different good. geographically. Listen, Elizabeth, I've got to let you go. I'm intrigued, though, to follow up on that because uh, it sounds like, you know, it's pretty ambitious or aspirational, at least. And so uh, on well, another occasion, it, perhaps we'll delve a little more deeply into it. Well, John, we, we call it mission possible, not mm. mission easy, mm. but it's what must be done to avoid re- catastrophic levels of climate events. So that's let's pick up the conversation another time. I look forward to it. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thank you so much. All right, Elizabeth May, leader of the Green Party. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.